just love that he plugged the global event without us even prompting him. Bonus points to him. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the One Team Gov Show, a podcast featuring conversations with awesome people doing interesting stuff in the public sector. Today, we're excited to be recording in Gothenburg at the launch of One Team Gov Sweden. My name is Kylie. And my name is Kamala, and today we're talking to Adrian Solitander, Program Manager at Vinova, the Swedish Government Innovation and Research Agency. Welcome, Adrian. Thank you very much. Pleased to be here. How did you get started in the public sector, Adrian? I've worked most of my career in the public sector, and I started out in Brussels, actually, working in European Union affairs for the first six years of my career working mostly in uh, regional policy and innovation policy development. That was obviously a, a real policy focused background. How did you transition into more digital services? That was when I uh, moved to Stockholm about seven years ago and I, uh, I felt I wanted a bit of a career change. So I moved into uh, more into the communications field and started working uh, communications, both in the public sector and as consultant to the public sector. And that's what ultimately led me to working closer to, uh, to digital. Was there a big difference between being a public servant and being a consultant? Yes, I guess uh, there was a difference. But in the end, I mean, I, I've always had the, the public sector as kind of a common ground for my career. So uh, I guess the main difference, uh, having more space for creativity, which was something that I was longing for a little bit when I was working more in policy. And what did you feel were the, the main differences going from the policy to more of a communications role? One of the uh, major differences is that when I was working in Brussels, I was working in, in the European Commission, and that's a French government culture, I think, that dominates there a little bit. And even though it was much less bureaucratic than I had expected when I initially started working there, of course, it still had some elements of hierarchy. And then when I moved into the communications field in parallel, I moved to Sweden, I think, and I think there might be a bit of a cultural issue there, not only the digital field playing in, but also the fact that the, the culture in Sweden looks a bit different. And hierarchies here are uh, quite a bit lower. So even though we have plenty of silos, hierarchy is uh, not so strict as it was in Brussels and was easy to talk to anyone interesting. Wow, that's so interesting hearing that sort of hierarchical structure labeled as French. Is that something that's commonly thought of as more French in the European community? I said that because it's basically more or less a, a fact that when the European Commission was being built up uh, already back in the 50s, it was modeled on, on a French governance system or a French governance tradition. So that's why I labeled it as French. I wouldn't say it's common uh, in Brussels to uh, regard the French as being more bureaucratic than anyone else. From what I've seen in the UK, we've got plenty of those hierarchical systems with us too. So <laughs> it must be a, a civil service thing. Yes, I think so. For sure, we have hierarchies in all other countries too. Awesome. So now you're working at Vinova, which is the Innovation and Research Agency. How does it feel to be in the innovation space? It feels super exciting. Vinova is uh, mainly a uh, funding agency, similar to uh, Innovate UK, but we do have a certain focus on the public sector too, in addition to the private sector. 
And what I do here is, uh, well, I'm, a, I'm basically a funding manager, so I get to do some strategic work, what type of projects we, we should fund in the public sector to promote public sector innovation. And that's, of course, super exciting to feel that you can have such a strategic role. Uh, on the other hand, compared to the communications work that I did before, it hands off, you know, I'm not the one doing the actual innovation. So it's exciting to do some some strategic work uh, and it's exciting to see what happens out there and I really get like a, a good overview of what's going on. But I'm perhaps missing a bit of the uh, creative field that I had a couple of years back. How is it different from the rest of government? Well, I think one way in which uh, it's different from the rest of government is the fact that as we work in the innovation space, everyone, all my colleagues here, we're about 200 people, are quite aware of some of the basics of innovation and how to be innovative and creative. So, for example, in terms of being open to uh, trying out new things and being open to new ideas, I think many of my colleagues are perhaps not, not the usual civil servants. Yeah, that makes sense. We met some of your colleagues in Stockholm the other day, and they were showing us one of the projects that Vinova have funded, which was the, the bicycle helmet that's worn as a scarf, which was really cool. What are some of the other cool projects that Vinova have funded? One of the more excited projects that I'm Vinova's contact person for is one about what they call a new algorithm, and it's a new algorithm for sustainable investment. A lot of financial investments are nowadays done based on algorithms. And uh, what they're doing now is building an algorithm that would take into consideration both uh, social and environmental sustainability issues when uh, making these financial investments. And I think that is super exciting and super relevant. And um, there's some big uh, Nordic financial institutions participating in this project. So to me, it seems like it's a, it's a credible project. So it's going to be interesting to see. There must be some challenges, maybe with process or legislation. Can you talk to some of those? We, we're working with public funding. There's plenty of the rules and regulations that we have to take into consideration. So sometimes the processes can be quite long and cumbersome. They're workable, but they're certainly a bit cumbersome every now and then. I think in particular, the rules sometimes, uh, the funding rules are so complicated and so nuanced that can be pretty difficult to explain this uh, to those who are applying for funding or who are being funded. So I do think that these rules are for the most necessary. I mean, they're in place uh, in order to make sure that funding is used in, in a fair and proper way, explaining all those rules and how they work and why they are in place. Not an easy job. So you said that you used to work on EU strategy and policy, and that was like 2006 to 2009 period. That was a pretty tumultuous time. How did it feel working on such important stuff? Yeah, that was indeed a, a tumultuous time. And I'm someone who really believes in European cooperation. And when I initially started, the, the feeling in, in, in Brussels in general was uh, quite positive, but quite quickly we had the Greek financial crisis coming in and for a while that certainly changed the mood. Uh, I have to say that you could feel that in the air, that people who really believed in the European project were suddenly feeling a bit, I don't know, maybe they were feeling a bit lost. You could feel it in the air. I mean, it's difficult to point a finger at what is what actually 
happened in terms of mood. On the other hand, uh, my colleagues there, I mean, they, they were very professional, talented people. They continued working as professionally and in, in a similarly committed manner as before. But there was something in the air that changed a little bit during those years. Do you and your colleagues still get together and, and sort of share war stories about that time? Uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> Firstly, I, I, I was involved in policy areas that were not at the core of this crisis. I was involved in invasion policy and regional policy at the European level, and they were not the ones that were uh, the most affected or at the center of this crisis. So I don't feel that I really was uh, part of those areas that struggled the most. Did the crisis change any of the work that you were doing in, in innovation policy during that time? I think we were mostly affected by quite high level policy issues, such as discussions around, uh, you know, how large should the EU budget be and how it should be used. But those issues were still quite far away from the every way, everyday work that I was doing. I mean, I wasn't involved in negotiations in any way myself. So, you know, they, these were questions that were hovering somewhere above or, or beyond where I was at at the time. So in, in general, I think we moved on with what we were doing as uh, more or less as, as planned. And what do you think's changed since then about European policy? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, a lot. I, I have to say that uh, since I moved away from Brussels, I mean, I, I, I took a step back from EU policy. So since then, it's been more of following the news. And certainly, you know, I think Brexit has been one turning point, uh, which, of course, you know, I, I, I think it's super sad. And I think uh, a lot of other people would agree with it. It's, uh, it's a lose-lose situation that the UK is leaving. On the other hand, we can see that the member states that are staying in the European Union, the support for for European cooperation has risen during the past year. And I think that's uh, probably as a consequence of Brexit to some extent, that people actually uh, start thinking about the everyday benefits of European cooperation that you might not have thought about otherwise. What are some of the things that frustrate you about working in government? I would say that as I'm working with promoting public sector innovation, there's always a frustration with things not going faster and more uh, rapidly. I do see a lot of people in public sector that want to make a change, want to make a difference, want to innovate, want to bring in new thinking. But there seems to be structures in place that make this work go a bit slowly and uh, people are running into uh, some obstacles uh, almost all the time. Uh, and I think that's a bit frustrating for sure. You mentioned some of the, the process in the red tape before. Does that have an effect on, presumably, on timelines of how you fund projects? We try to have a selection of different types of project funding instruments, both short and quick and quite long term. So some of the projects uh, that we fund are more capacity building, and these are usually with projects that will last for a few years. And then we have projects that focus on actually bringing forth new innovations, for example, service innovations, and these tend to be a bit shorter and, and quicker. And what inspires you to stay? Definitely seeing progress and seeing new thinking coming into public sector. I'm a real believer in public sector, as I think most of the people that get in, involved in One Team Gov are. 
seeing innovations being uh, you know brought into use in public sector that that makes me very happy and you know despite of the challenges seeing people being empowered in different ways in public sector that really inspires me and that's what makes me stay the one team gov contingent were very public sector passionate so that's great to hear yeah for sure and it's been great to see how this has worked out in Sweden so far. I mean, uh, it's a great way of getting in touch with like-minded people all over the government space. Yeah, so how did you start up One Team Gov Sweden? This really started, I would say, one year ago, spring last year, when uh, at Vinova we started just arranging some very informal meetups for people in government that were working with innovation in one way or, or another, either people who would be promoting innovation in the public sector or people who were actually innovating, especially, I would say, in the digital field in the public sector. And very often uh, we had the impression that these people were longing for meeting like-minded people. They might not always find the like-minded people in their own units or agencies and just providing a, a network where they could meet each other very informally and speak about their experiences, change ideas on how to... Uh, advance change in government. That was our initial idea with these meetups. And in parallel with public sector innovation, I just happened to see on social media what was going on with One Team Gov in the UK. And I saw the principles uh, and I thought, wow, they're doing a great job. Like on the one hand, they, they're having similar meetups and they're, there's a, a similar feel to what we're trying to do with our meetups in Sweden. But in addition, they have these brilliant principles and I could see the, the movement gaining traction. And I started thinking, well, you know, maybe we should try to bring these principles to Sweden because they are very appealing, communicatively, a really good tool. So that's when I started talking to some colleagues and contacted Kit in the UK just initially to see where we could uh, take this. What are you hoping to do with One Team Gov Sweden next? So we're uh, hoping to grow uh, the movement in Sweden. So we had a really good start this spring and we have about 400 persons that uh, have signed up to our digital uh, communications channels. Uh, but we're definitely hoping to grow the movement and expand it. And on the 1st of September, we're going to arrange the first One Team Gov conference that Kit launched here in Gothenburg. And we are hoping to see this as the relaunch of One Team Gov Sweden. So we're hoping to engage uh, more and more people that are keen to reform government. That's so cool. And conferences are just so powerful. Yeah, we're looking forward to trying out that format. Uh, before that, we're a group of 10 people that will be joining One Team Gov Global in London on 16th of July. So it will be uh, super interesting and I think very helpful to see how uh, the whole One Team Gov Global will work. And we'll take some inspiration from that into the Swedish conference in September. Thanks for plugging that, Adrian, so we didn't have to. And so how is One Team Gov Sweden different from um, other innovation projects you've run before? Yeah, I think it's very open and very low threshold to join. You know, it's just about someone wanting to reform government and wanting to work according to those uh, seven principles in their everyday jobs. And those principles are in a way so uh, universal that, uh, you know, they can be applicable to 
anyone. So what we've seen in, in Sweden so far is that we have people joining one team gov from both local, regional and national authorities and, of course, people from uh, different levels in the hierarchy, which is super inspiring and not so usual. And I think that's one way how uh, one team gov is different from some other networks and similar initiatives that are available in, in Sweden right now. For example, there's a network in Sweden on service design in government, which in, in a way is, is similar, but this is for service design professionals, basically. Whereas one team gov brings together, for example, these service professionals with the people that might be working more in the policy field. You mentioned networks and at one team gov, we're all about networks. So to help us grow ours, can you recommend a Twitter account that we should follow? Well, my favorite Twitter account by far, I think, is a Twitter account called Government Innovation Bot. You should definitely check it out. It's a quite funny account. It's a bot that gives you sarcastic recommendations on how to work with government innovation. And whilst we're doing a podcast, maybe a podcast you can recommend? My favorite podcast is a Swedish podcast. So for all the Swedish speakers out there, I recommend Digital Samtal, which means digital conversations. It's a podcast about making digital issues comprehensible for everyone. And it has focus on how digital impacts society in general. Perfect. And just to round us off with a non-digital aspect, a book that you could recommend. I recently read a book by Noah Yuval Harari. It's called Homo Deus. It's basically about the future of mankind, how data is the new religion. It's really very, very thought-provoking. Wow, that sounds super interesting. Data is the new religion. What, what do they explore? The core theme is that free movement of data becomes the overarching value of society. It does kind of trip me out how things that were like science fiction films when I was younger are now coming true. Yeah, and it's a, it's a bit scary also, the book. I mean, it makes me think about, well, I'm working here promoting digitalization and we're funding a lot of projects that make good use of data. But this book does make you think about like what are the really very long-term impacts of what's happening in society. Awesome. We'll definitely be downloading that on audiobook. Also, definitely got to brush up on our Swedish for that podcast. It sounds amazing. Anyway, Adrian, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's been a really interesting chat and so cool to hear a view from Europe and from the EU. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor and it was really fun talking to you. Thank you. We will see you at One Team Gov Global. Looking forward to that. Kylie, what were your thoughts on speaking to Adrian? It was a really interesting interview. I'm glad we got to speak to someone who has had that background in European politics. I thought that was that was really fascinating. And not only from the perspective of kind of central European Commission work, but also that Adrian's moved from, again, from a policy space into a more innovation and digital space seems to be quite a common path that people we've worked with have trodden. It was great to hear about how his foundation in the European Commission has really inspired and informed his his passion for public service delivery. 
Yeah, I thought that was really interesting what he talked about, the differences between working in the European Commission and then going to work in Sweden and the sort of hierarchical nature of the European Commission as opposed to the sort of open nature of going back to work in, in Sweden. I think we've all had that experience of working in one department which works one way and then a you know smaller or flatter department that works another and how it can make such a difference to the work that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, definitely. It's that need to be a more empowered organization or have teams that, as you said, don't have that that overarching structure that can sometimes be a bit of a hindrance to delivering things. So equally, although he's moved into that digital space and it seems like he's used the experience he has in private sector in between those two roles as a transition point, which I think is also quite a common thing that people have been able to do because often it's hard to find the opportunities within government. And also, I thought the model of innovation and funding that they have at Finova seems to be set up in such a way that you can have quite a lot of freedom with what they seem to want to invest in. Some of the projects that they've worked on are really cool, like the algorithm one and the one that I saw when I was in Gothenburg with the the bicycle helmets. Yeah, that bicycle helmet thing sounded trippy. I totally recommend you should check out. They've got a couple of videos on YouTube cycling into obstacles and deliberately having themselves like thrown over the handlebars and the slow motion of them as the helmet inflates in midair (laughs) yeah it's quite cool totally bring that to new zealand by the way there's so much mountain biking here i'm sure we could do with it the other thing that i thought was really interesting was how he's managed to work in the vicinity of lots of crises So he talked about the financial crisis in 2008 and obviously talks really openly about Brexit in a way in which you would never hear from any kind of UK civil servant. So it was really nice to hear a perspective from the European context, even though he didn't work directly on those. And just a really good reminder of how young public servants have grown up with a really quite turbulent context to deliver services in. I was secretly rather pleased, although not so secretly now I've just said it, that he did bring up Brexit and the context of that, because it's not something we can openly talk about. I think that this is an international trait, which is the thing that he finds frustrating are processes and time frames to deliver services. And I bet if we were to poll people who work in digital services or frontline services or any services really around the world, that would be number one. And it's an interesting common trait. I wonder if that comes from the fact that, you know, we're spending taxpayers' money. So it's really important that we make sure that it's been spent on the right things. But I think that the more we focus on trying to lower the cost of those processes and the amount of time, the more that we'll be able to actually properly deliver. What's coming across in the people that we're speaking to and what I think ties all of this back to One Team Gov is that passion for public service and the story of how Adrian got One Team Gov set up in Sweden is really inspirational, but it's also really simple. He mentioned having an existing community which was quite homogenous in nature and that it was made up of a lot of people who work within the digital and the tech space and what One Team Gov was able to do when he brought that in with the principles and the kind of community of practice was bringing in other disciplines and other people from roles across government that weren't just digital and technology into making that a much broader family. Yeah, 100%. The cool thing that he said about One Team Gov and that I think we see with One Team Gov is that it's a really levelling space 
I can totally understand and empathize that if I was someone who worked in policy and I went to a digital conference that I might be met with sort of frowns, if not open hostility, because that's our nature is our nature to often try and like push away or or blame people when they don't totally 100% agree with us. And so what I like about One Team Gov is that it opens the door and levels the playing field for lots of different types of people who work in government and allows them to be honest and work together on things. What strikes me is that, as you just mentioned, it's quite common for people to group together under the specialism that they're in. And it's it's that classic thing of we want to find our tribe. But what One Team Gov is able to offer is community out of many different facets of people working in government. Yeah, that is really awesome. Also, I just love that he plugged the global event without us even prompting him. Bonus points to him. (laughs) 